If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey, Better Nation, this is your host, Dr. Erica, and I am back with a new episode of Better with Dr. Erica. This episode is just coming right on time, right before we head into holiday season, and we've been dealing with all of the isolation of the pandemic. This episode discusses loneliness and how improving connection can be a powerful health and wellness tool, and it features Pete Bambachi. Pete is an expert in the field of human connection and the founder of the Gen Well Project, a Canadian organization dedicated to making the world a healthier and happier place by reminding people about the importance of face-to-face social connection as a proactive health action that they can take and inspiring them to take that action. Now you might be wondering what questions is this episode going to answer? So let me tell you now. Number one, why is human connection important? Number two, can loneliness impact your health? And number three, how can improving connection decrease loneliness? Now, whether you are lonely, looking to improve your relationships, or simply want better health, there is something for you in this episode. Now, you know we have those shareable moments, and let me tell you how we share in Better Nation. All you have to do is post that little shareable tidbit, what you want the rest of the world to learn from too, or what just got you jazzed and excited, just post it with the hashtag Better Nation. It is that simple. So with that, let's get to the episode. Better with Dr. Erica. Hey, y'all. It's good to hear you. Well, I guess I'm not hearing you. You're hearing me. But in my mind, I'm hearing you. But it's nice to be here with Better Nation because I am Dr. Erica, your host, and I'm back for another episode of Better with Dr. Erica. Now, you know I've been saying that I'm not going to use the word excited. So let's see if I can reach into my back pocket thesaurus that isn't really there to come up with a word that fits. Let's use, I'm extremely enthusiastic and anxiously awaiting what's going to happen with the conversation with my next guest. Now, you know, I've already been telling you, you all know, I've talked about the better seven, those seven essential areas that are important to be better, do better, live better. And one of them is support. And I'm really huge around connection. Well, I'm bringing in somebody that we're going to talk 
all about some connecting up in here. He's so cool that he showed up. You can't see him, but I can. With this shirt that says the human connection catalyst. I mean, how can I not enjoy a conversation and you not enjoy listening to a conversation with the human connection catalyst? You just you just have to. So that means you need to, you know, tune in to get those little ear things a little bit closer. I need to quit touching mine because I swear they're I didn't realize they were touch sensitive, but apparently I was more high tech than I anticipated. But you need to listen in, lean in. This is going to be a great conversation. Now, you're probably wondering who is this conversation with, or you may not if you actually listen to the intro. But this conversation is with Pete Bombachi. <laughs> I always feel like I just, it feels like such a cool name. Like I had to like sprinkle some extra sprinkles on it because. I don't know why I'm even, I was talking about ice cream and sprinkles earlier. And some of you may know my, one of my coaches, last name is Sprinkles. And for some reason, I guess I need ice cream today. Uh, but I'm going to come back and not be super tangential. Now, you all know that I said reading bios is not my ministry. I refuse to do it. I am not going to do it. My guests can tell you probably about themselves better than I can. Um, number two, if you wanted to hear me read, you can come to a poetry reading or something. I, I can make an audiobook in my book and you can hear me read. You know, I can read. I have a lot of education. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit and then I'm going to let my guest take over. So Pete is an expert in the field of human connection and the founder of the Gen Well Project. Y'all listen to how cool this sounds. It's a Canadian organization dedicated to making the world a healthier and happier, healthier and happier place by reminding people about the importance of face to face. Yes, I said it face to face social connection as a proactive health action that they can take and in inspiring them to take action. I know it was so cool. I had to at least say that I'm not doing the whole bio, but I mean, that was just so cool. I had to at least speak it. But Pete, can you tell the people in Better Nation a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Uh, first off, Dr. Erica, great to be here and great to see the enthusiasm you have for this conversation. Because uh, I will say this is this is new for most people, the conversation around the importance of social connection for their social health. So uh, my name is Pete Bombacci and I founded the Genwell Project, as you say, uh, a human connection movement back in 2016. Um, and our mission is to make the world a happier and healthier place by educating, empowering, and catalyzing people around the importance of face-to-face -face social connection for their health, their happiness, their longevity, and the betterment of society. We've all been educated on the importance of exercise. We've been told that we should eat better, not smoke, sleep eight hours a day, uh, drink eight glasses of water. But the reality is the research now is very clear that the importance of social connection is as, if not more important than physical activity, and as important as eating well, and has a greater detriment to your health than smoking, obesity, and high blood pressure. And yet we've never had any type of education in the, in the school system or uh, in our lives about this subject. So that's what we're here to do. We want to really help people recognize that we are in this together and that we actually do need each other. And it takes a village to do far more than just raise our kids. It takes a village to get us all through this thing we call life. And the one thing is I feel like people should be listening to you more because if there was one thing that people realized out of the the wonderful world of the pandemic, Panini, 
panorama, whatever anybody's calling it these days, is people realize the profound impact of no longer having that face-to-face social communication. Yeah, I think it was the wake-up call. You know, I will say, and I was kind of alluding to it right in my initial comments, but in 2016, when I launched this movement, I launched because I launched it because I'd spent five years working at another a not-for-profit called the the Movember, the Mustache Charity, and we added men's mental health to the conversation and to the um, the issues that we were investing are the funds we raised in. And when I was talking to a lot of people in the mental health space. A lot of them as a tertiary or a fourth or fifth comment would always say with social connections really important for people in recovery as well. And I thought to myself, that's interesting. Everybody has this comment, but they're always doing it first off after the crisis has happened. And number two, it's not even a priority. And then when I went and did the research, what I recognized is whether it's the Harvard study about happiness, it says that our, the single greatest thing that makes us happy is the relationships we have, whether it's about its impact on anxiety and depression, empathy, compassion, resilience, our immune system, our self-confidence, it makes us live longer. When you start to see the numbers, you go, wow, well, why aren't we telling people this information? But between 2016 and the start of the pandemic, um, I would say that most people looked at me like I was absolutely crazy. Oh, what wow. are you talking about? You know, I see people and it's a great stat. It comes out of the UK. 63% of the people that we saw every day pre-pandemic were not people that we had intended to see. We were just out and about living our lives in our routines. And when you think of the workplace, the number of people that you didn't have a meeting with, but you saw them at the coffee break, at mm-hmm. the coffee machine, in the lunchroom, on your way into the office, you know, all those connections really help us feel like we belong, that we're included, that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves in this big old world. And so I think it was the real wake up call that all we were left with during the pandemic were Zoom meetings. And most of those meetings were about work. And no wonder most of us were burnt out from Zoom meetings after two years of trying to you know, conduct all of our work only virtually and not have any of the fun stuff, which was the casual collisions when we ran into people that we hadn't seen in a while. And we go, Dr. Erica, how are you? I haven't seen you. And those are the moments that fill up our lives and they were wiped out. And so I think that's what we're all looking at now and going, wow, I didn't realize how much I got out of just being out of my house and living my life And we're not back yet, as I'm sure you recognize. The routines are not back in place, whether we're working at home, whether we're only going going into the office a couple of days a week. A lot of those connections, those casual collisions still aren't there. So people are still feeling it. We're still recovering. We're still trying to figure out what our new habits and routines are. And, you know, the conversation, Dr. Vivek Murthy, who's your Surgeon General down in the U.S., said this may be the greatest opportunity that we've ever had in our history to put this conversation on people's minds. Because after two years of not being able to see people, there may, be, uh, there may never have been a greater motivator to people than now to say, hey, I should probably talk to my neighbor, talk to strangers, call up my old friends, see an old teacher, you know, see an old colleague, talk to my colleagues. All those options are there for us. And we just need to make sure that people understand just how important they are. And we'll get to some of those stats over the course of this conversation. I am here for every single thing that you just said. And I do, <laughs> I am, I am, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm here for it. And 
I appreciate the fact that we're highlighting something that is extremely important. I, I love how you brought out the fact that the shift back into socializing hasn't been as easy for some as I think people anticipated that when it's over, it's all going to be the same. And so many things are not along with everyone's navigating their own perception or actions they want to take along with safety, because I don't know how it is up there. He's y'all. He's in Canada. Hey, he's in Canada. Um, is I know down here is there's such a variety of perceptions of what's going on from a public health standpoint with COVID-19, um, how to deal with, we've had such a variety of different types of um, mandates and that there's such an individual aspect to reintegrating along with the fact of what happens when you're out of practice. You know, what what happens when you start seeing people again and you've mainly been socializing with your couch and the TV? Yeah, I think you bring up something that's really important for us all to recognize. We just did a, a survey up here. And so 30, I think it's 31% of Canadians are still feeling fearful of COVID. And now, as I'm not, I'm sure it's the same down there. Now we're starting to hear that as the colder days start to come, they're talking about man, mask mandates again. So at a time when we need to build greater connection in the world, we may start doing things again that actually make it really difficult for people to get connected, whether it's because of the fear of that. Mm-hmm. Although we also know that you know what's coming out now is, uh, to your point, is more people are identifying as introverts or shy or, um, or socially anxious. And so, you know, going back to the gym after two and a half years of not being at the gym doesn't feel so good either. So you're you're right when you have the, when you haven't worked your social muscles, and and we also need to recognize that over the last two years it wasn't just COVID. People lost loved ones. They got people were diagnosed with illness or disease. We lost jobs. We have financial pressures. Kids. And the number of families that I know that have kids who've, uh, you know, well-rounded kids who are now taking anti-anxiety pills or something along the line to support them. You know, we faced a lot in the last two and a half years. And I think being kind and gentle towards each other and recognizing the power of a conversation right now may be the greatest gift that any of us can give each other. I love what you said about recognizing the power of a communication being a gift because in a in a time where there's just so much going on between the inflation, I don't know if it's the same up there. Our gas prices are a disaster. Um and you know, just the fact that my mom's like, oh, $3.99 a gallon for regular isn't bad. <laughs> I'm like, really? Um and it, it has been much worse before, but just that there's so much on people's plates and that's something that we can do for free when there are so many types of things pulling on people's finances because, you know, the pandemic has been financially difficult for a lot of people. Um, people have lost jobs. People have gained responsibilities. Work itself for a lot of people is stressful because they're 
you know, down here, people don't constantly talk about how many people died and left the workforce because they died. Then you have the portion that left the workforce because they had to become primary caregivers for their children. Then you have the people that left the workforce because they realized this was their job sucked and they left and didn't come back. So it's very rare I have a conversation with someone that feels like the workload that they actually have at work is reasonable and not outrageous. Um, so I love the fact that you're highlighting that a conversation is a gift that we can do for free that for a lot of people doesn't take a ton of effort. I realize it may take a little bit more effort now because you're out of practice. And I'm one of those people that started out an extreme extrovert, became an introvert in COVID. And I think now I'm up to ambivert. Nice. You're right, right in the middle there somewhere. I'm not quite the full extrovert yet. Well, I'm going to throw it right back at you and say, I love your consciousness in recognizing because you've already said things that are far uh, more uh, aware, conscious than, than many in the sense of this is, you know, we can talk about this in the context of the pandemic and go, oh, well, you know, the pandemic, we now need to wake up and recognize we need each other. Well, the research shows that really since about the Second World War, we've been mm -hmm. disconnecting from each other for, you know, nearly 60 years. And then you, you throw on the third piece of it, which is, hey, as you look ahead and you talked about, you know, gas and you talk about inflation. And by the way, it's as bad, if, if not worse up here, I'm sure we can we can all tell horror <laughs> stories of prices, whether it's the groceries, the gas, the mortgage prices, you know, all those things. Um, there are some tough roads ahead. And I'm, I'm 56 years old and I haven't truly faced a crisis. And I think most of us that are probably on the on the earth today haven't truly lived a real crisis. Actually, that's that's not fair. There's probably a lot of people uh, who've lived crisis, but not when I think of the global crisis, mm -hmm. the war, the something that forces us to come together. And I think you know we may the pandemic certainly caused a lot of uh, grief and certainly much death out there. But I hope that we learn a lesson. I hope that we look to the future and see that, you know, what's coming down the pike, it may not be so uh, such an easy thing to overcome, but we still need to live our lives. And I'm a big fan of Dr. Lori Santos uh, from Yale, who I'm sure you know. Mm -hmm. When we actually understand that what truly makes us happy are the relationships that we have, you know, the generosity we can give other people, the time and the relationships we can build, and it's not about your house or your car or your stuff that you've collected over your lifetime. You start to realize, hey, we can help everybody through the challenges that lay ahead. You know, even when we talk about food security and homelessness, when you're surrounded by people and you have those connections and relationships, it builds resilience that helps you get through those challenging times. So if we can help people right now, start connecting like our research suggests that talking to your neighbor reduces your sense of loneliness by three times and talking to strangers increases your likelihood of being happy by three times but what have we told people for 50 years don't talk to strangers i got an idea why don't we educate the world on the facts and then maybe we can actually get people to start doing the things that will make them happier healthier build relationships and ultimately more resilient and I definitely agree. And it makes very, it makes so much sense that you mentioned that these issues of social isolation were problems long before that, because otherwise we wouldn't really have any of this data that, you know, a lot of this data didn't come out in the pandemic. It came out way, 
way before. And for some of you out there, the interesting thing is one of the places where they actually got a lot of data on loneliness was actually with elderly or older people. Um, and I think it's also an opportunity for us to start reconnecting. Um, given that it's such a powerful tool of of healing and resilience that it's it's something that can be huge. But I also want to acknowledge the fact that it takes effort, it takes intention. And for for some, it it really is a skill that it's not natural for them to sit on the phone with people or to go visit people or to speak to people in the elevator or in the mall. <laughs> that's just, that's not what feels natural, but I do think there's something huge because I think if I had to say what my favorite loneliness stat is, there's one that it says loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging as 15 cigarettes a day. 15 cigarettes a day is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we're all, we're all waking up to it. And when you, when you hear the facts, you know, it, it increases your likelihood of stroke and heart disease by 30%, doubles your risk of type 2 diabetes after the age of 50, uh, doubles your risk of on, early onset of dementia, increases your likelihood of early onset of death by up to 50%. You know, it increases your risk of anxiety and depression, suicide, obesity, addiction, and the list goes on. So, you know, we've prioritized going to the gym or exercising because we've been educated on it for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we think of it and we go, I'm going to go every Thursday morning, I'm going to go to the gym or go for a walk with my dog or whatever I do to get that exercise in. And of course, you know, it's still from a prevention standpoint, it's difficult for some people to do it on a regular basis and create the habit, but it doesn't mean we don't tell them. So we mm -hmm. keep, you know, brands like all the sport brands, the Nikes, Adidas, all those people, you know, they've been putting that message out there. We got Lululemon out there now with, you know, from a yoga mindfulness stand, and those are beautiful things. Now, where are the brands, where are the companies that are going to help us put this message out there so that we prioritize social connection and every business has an opportunity, even starting within their own employees mm -hmm. and saying, hey, we need to connect as employees, but then each one of you go back to your own home streets and communities. What can you do to help really build greater connections and what we call social health, which is the upstream uh, aspect that, in, that improves and uh, prevents mental illness and physical illness because it affects not just our mental health, which most of us think of, but it actually, you know, heart disease, you know, uh, diabetes, these things are not just about our mental health. This is about living holistically happier and healthier. And one of the things I love about what you said is when you're more socially connected, people are more comfortable with asking for help. Most likely, folks are not going to start calling someone if they're struggling if they never talk to them. But the closer some of these relationships are, you're creating safe spaces so that if you do need some support, you can reach out, especially before it's a crisis. And for, for what I do as um, and with mental health as a psychiatrist and also what I do when I speak, is there's something critical that happens when people access help prior to it being a crisis? Hey, um, you know, I'm with you. We, we keep saying, uh, don't wait for the crisis. You know, this is the original inspiration behind the movement was there was the blackout on the eastern seaboard of North America. 
And what I saw that day, and that was 50 million people that went without power mm-hmm. for anywhere from two to seven days, depending on where you were. And initially, everybody was rushing to get home. It happened at 4.10 in the afternoon. And what you saw was the beauty of the human species in times of crisis. People were handing out water and directing traffic and picking people up off of street corners, the things that we don't see each and every day. But that night, I went to a friend's house who was having a barbecue. So the TV didn't work. The phone didn't work. Mm-hmm. The radio didn't work. The whatever, all those distractions that we have in our life every day, none of it was working. So what happened? About seven o'clock that night, a buddy that I worked with said, hey, come on over to my house before we left the office. So I went over and all of a sudden it went from two people to four people to six people. And then the neighbor came over, the neighbor who he hadn't spoken to previously, you know, at any length. And then at nine o'clock, I was on the front porch and the street was packed with people. And I thought to myself, wow, look at this. All these people know each other and they're coming out. What a great opportunity for everybody to see each other. So I went out on the street and I said, hey, guys, this is amazing. You guys all know each other. And they looked at me and went, no, we don't. And I thought to myself, how crazy is it that we need to wait for a crisis to happen before we actually talk to our neighbor? And that goes with people in your workplace. That goes to strangers you pass every day. When you understand the research around human connection, None of us should avoid talking to people as we go by every day because every opportunity is not only an opportunity for us to be happier and healthier, but just think of the purpose in our lives when you know the facts that say, when I talk to you, when I pass you on the street, I make you happier and healthier as well. And yes, you know, there'll be those people who will look at you and think you're crazy initially, but not when there's more of us doing it, not when more of us do it on a regular basis we can create a world in which we actually believe that we need each other and that we recognize that the simple act of saying hello to somebody in the morning is something that makes the world a happier and healthier place for everyone better with dr erica loneliness has always been problematic but the pandemic has amplified social isolation have you been fighting with loneliness but just have no idea where to start to change it the challenge with loneliness is that you can't get out of loneliness with the same mindset that got you there. The Simple Cures to Loneliness cards provide you with amazing ideas to combat loneliness and heartwarming quotes that remind you that you're not alone. The problem is that you don't have a sense of connection. These cards will give you ways to connect with people. These cards will give you ways to connect with people in person and virtually. So some of these solutions you can do even if you're sitting all by yourself. You can't always control when you feel lonely but you do have a choice of what you do about it. So get your Simple Cures to Loneliness cards for you or the people you care about at LonelinessCards.com. That's LonelinessCards.com. Better with Dr. Erica. One thing that's really important about what you talked about is if we start looking at some of the reasons why people don't connect with others, I think one thing that's huge, especially in the States, is this culture of busyness. Like everybody is so busy and has so much to do that you end up getting kind of laser focused, almost like the horses with the little blinders and not paying attention to anyone else because everything is so task driven that even when people do interact with others, that it's more of task fulfillment versus that extra, hey, how are you doing? It's like, did you finish this document? Did you send over such and such? 
it's it ends up being more transactional. And I I love what you're talking about is starting to shift out of that transactional communication into things that are really showing more of our humanity. Uh, Dr. Erica, can we talk for five more hours after, you know, we're done here? <laughs> you know, it, I, you know, I've been doing this for six years. And as I said, you know, people dismissed us for the first four until the pandemic. And many people at the start of the pandemic said, oh, I guess your, I guess your movement's done. Eh? And I said, well, why is that? And they said, well, well, we can't connect. So why do we need your movement? Well, that's exactly why we need the movement, because we actually need to wake people up to why, you know, it, it's important. So I, I think your, your comment uh, about, you know, educating people on this as part of a mental health journey, as part of making them happier and healthier people uh, is so critically important that we bring this into the conversation around mental health. Um, it, it, as I say, as well as uh, physical health, but we start po po pointing people into the direction of what we want you to do instead of the crisis that we might be facing. You know, we're facing a mental health crisis south of the border, north of the border, and around the world. But what we need to do is actually solve it holistically, and we have to stop waiting until people are sick before we try to help them. And I think if we could create a movement, and there's, the, you know, the Coalition to End Loneliness in the United States and the Foundation for Social Connection are two organizations that we work closely with. Uh, Dr. Eddie or Eddie Garcia, who is uh, the founder of those organizations, is uh, somebody that we work closely because they too are trying to spread this message across the United States. So I encourage everybody listening in today to go check them out, because at the end of the day, we we can't fill the hospital systems up any further. You know, we have to swim upstream and prevent illness from happening. And when we recognize that the solution to this problem is not a medical one. It's actually in each of us taking our responsibility to talk to that senior, to talk to that kid who's struggling with addiction to technology, to that new mom. 90% of new moms say that they feel lonely and isolated. You know, so think about the entrepreneurs that have lost their jobs or are facing financial pressure. Think of, you know, the many different ways in which we've been impacted. Every one of us has the opportunity to be part of the solution. But we need to be given the opportunity to say, hey, and I think when we give the information and we give people permission to talk to people, that that step alone makes people go, oh, oh, so this is good for people. Oh, so I'm actually doing good when I say hello to you. Oh, OK, well, I could probably try that. And I'll just finish off with one last thing is that a big part of our message is saying to people, look. For the longest time, I think we've always focused on the people in crisis and said, we need to help them. And I've, I've had many people along this journey say to me, oh, so you're trying to help people that are lonely and isolated, you know, learn how to get the skills to be more social. And I say, well, yeah, you know, certainly we're trying to help those people. But actually what I'm also trying to do is educate the, I don't know, is it 60%, 50%, 70% of people who are doing great today? Because if I can get those 70% of people to actually think about one more person that they could call, think about one more person that they could say hello to. If I can get those 70%, how quickly can we start addressing this issue? Because everybody recognizes that we are all in this together and those simple actions can make a massive difference. I'm feeling so warm and fuzzy right now. I don't know what to do with myself. And part of the reason I think your work is important is a lot of times um, from a lot of the people I work with, 
it let me not say it feels let's just say it is a fact core needs tend to follow into three categories the basic need to be loved to be valued and to be seen it is difficult to do any of those on your own it's great to have self-love it's great to value yourself but there's an internal desire for other people to see you, to love you, and to value you. It is very hard to do that if you are not connected to any other human beings. Dr. Erica, you get this. You know, I'm telling you, we have been for 50 years educating people on how to do things to take care of themselves. That's what's partly led to the individualistic society that we've created is, oh, I'm struggling. So I should go take care of myself. I should, you know, self-isolate. I should go and do mindfulness or journaling or gratitude or all those things. And they're all really important practices. But if we do everything in isolation, that's not going to solve for our social health, which we know creates the, you know, supportive network that helps you build resilience, that helps you cope, that helps you find solutions and that's the wake up call for all of us is to say, we can't do this alone. And I feel like, have you read all my stuff? <laughs> so we had this concept called the better seven, these seven essential areas that you need to have a better life to be better, do better and live better. On one end you have silence, which are the things you're talking about, like meditation, prayer, um, gratitude, those kinds of things. And on the other end is still support, which includes community. And I, I love that we're having this portion of the conversation and I'd love to have you on for hours and hours, but at some point you have a life that you need to get to, um, is that a lot of these things don't happen in isolation. So just because someone may recommend for you to add a meditation routine or some even quietly doing yoga to yourself or mindfulness walks or grounding just because someone recommends that for you doesn't mean it's an isolation of then reaching out, forming community. There are people that I've spoken to. One of the common things of almost everyone I've spoken to um, on this podcast, which was actually launched during the pandemic, is that one of the keys for everyone I've talked to about getting through, a lot of it has been centered around this idea of community. That finding community, being attached to community was a lifesaver. And then when I talked to people going through these major changes in life, struggles, challenges, a lot of the solutions are also in community. There's a reason why there are so many sexual assault survivors groups. There's a reason why there are so many grief groups. And these are things that we frequently recommend. There are reasons why people got really excited about meetups. It's There's a power that is palpable in community. And I love what you're doing, Pete, which is helping people understand the value of community while actually even creating a community of your own. And I, I think that's so important. It's a, it's a skill that I feel like is underutilized when it comes to building, maintaining, and staying in community. And just building off your comments, you know, sometimes I sense, you know, uh, this is such a new language for people. And certainly even the mental health community at times, I think, kind of goes, well, aren't you really doing what we do? And I'm like, well, yes, we are doing. But to your point, I think um, 
my wife and I do a morning ritual. Uh, I guess we call it a med. I wouldn't call it a meditation. It's you know we've got some phrases. What do we call that when we have the morning mantras? Mm-hmm. You know, and we do it together because it's doing it, but it's also doing it and having a conversation oh, wow. about it so that we relate to each other. Hey, what's that mean to you today? And what what's on today? And and so I think the power of doing some of those practices, to your point, with somebody else. How many people went for walk and talks? you know, during the pandemic where we got on the phone with somebody and we went for a walk. Like that was just such a beautiful, a silver lining of the pandemic because pre-pandemic, I just don't think people were doing that to the same level that we learned to do it over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, technology has its negative consequences when used incorrectly, but, you know, we're having a chat today. You can have those virtual chats. Zoom was an amazing opportunity for us to supplement the face-to-face connections that we'll get to but if we do it the right way and if we understand the power of all that's available to us uh, and we understand the power of human connection to complement it, you know, I think we can, you know, build the happy and healthy human beings and lives that I think we all strive for. But it ain't easy. It's this is this is a challenging time and we need each other to help each other get through it. Since I can't keep you here forever before we move to the speed round, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. My question is, what are one or two tips that you have for the listeners out there of ways that they can improve their connectedness? Yeah, thank you for asking, because I think it's always important for people just to get some quick tips, like what could I do better? What can I do differently? First off to me is talking to strangers. So right then, you know, there's a starting point. If I make you three times happier, that's in talking to strangers once a week your happiness level goes up by three times. Well, I my suggestion is you talk to everybody you walk by and don't get frustrated when one person gives you a nasty look, you know, because they're not used to it yet. Because I think we will get there as we build this. Number two, I'd put it into your calendar. If we're going to prioritize it, it needs to be in your calendar. And even better, not just put it in your calendar, but if you've got one or two really close friends or people that you love to do things with, then put those in as a regular uh, opportunity to connect. I play hockey three times a week, like a good Canadian, um, even though I'm old. Uh, but what I guarantee with those three occasions a week, and I don't always make all three because it's busy, but I know that I can always look forward to those occasions and I don't have to. And I think males struggle with the spontaneous at times is that it's in the calendar. I don't need to play around. I just know it's there. Nothing gets in the way unless I'm out of town. And I think that's really helpful. And then finally, I'll say purpose. And I'm going to say purpose from two different lenses. Number one, understand that when you talk to somebody, you make them happier and healthier as well. So all of us, I think, through the pandemic, when we were out of our routines of work, the purpose of going to work every day and contributing to work was for many people lost. That idea that what the purpose was, was actually connecting with my colleagues and feeling like I was contributing. It wasn't just work itself. So whether it's about recognizing the power of human connection and talking more to neighbors or calling up a friend because you recognize that they might be going through a challenging time, that's one way to recognize that you have a purpose every day in staying connected with people who need you. Number two is volunteering is what a great opportunity to surround yourself with people that are already empathetic. They wouldn't be doing volunteer work if they didn't understand the power of being and helping. 
And number two, you'll never feel better than when you see what you, the difference you can make in somebody else's life when you help them with a plate of food, uh, handing out, uh, you know, a clothing, whatever the scenario might be. It could be a senior, it could be kids, it could be whatever. So there's, there's three, three and a half, uh, suggestions right there. And we do work in workplaces, we do work in communities and in classrooms. And, you know, each area has similar types of tips, tools, and ideas. It's number one, understand it. Number two, prioritize it and be intentional about it. Because when we just leave it to happenstance, that's when it's too easy, to your point earlier, Dr. Erica, it's too easy to get caught up in the day. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm guilty of it as well. Like, I'm, I'm leading this because I understand it, but I also struggle with it. I get caught up in my days and don't make time to connect. I missed a Halloween party last night and I should have been at that party, but I had done some other work and was pretty much ready to call it a day by the time the, uh, the party came. So, um, so there's a few tips. I hope that's helpful for your listeners. Better with Dr. Erica. Welcome to Goodwin Medical Associates, where we provide customized, caring telepsychiatry that is delivered with compassion by a Harvard-trained, double-board-certified psychiatrist. Don't you know that everyone, including you, deserves great mental health? Visit www.goodwintelepsych.com for more information and to book your free consultation. Let me introduce you to Better Nation. Better Nation is the community of people that follow the Better with Dr. Erica podcast that are like you and want to be better, do better, and live better. By becoming a member of Better Nation, you also get to receive member-only bonus content to put you officially in the inner circle, show notes with timestamps so you don't have to search for your favorite moments, and some bonus free coaching tools. So visit joinbetternation.com, that's joinbetternation.com, to become a VIP and be a part of Better Nation. With Dr. Erica. We're going to transition over to the speed round because I think those tips were speed a round. great place to, to leave there. So you ready? Yep, I'm ready. So what are your three favorite songs? Well, it's funny. Uh, I, I actually think my I'm going to give you three artists rather than songs. Okay. You know, I'm Zach, cool James, James Taylor is, okay. you know, been a long time. I'm an oldie. So Zach Brown, who um, okay. I'm not sure how uh, familiar are with Zach and Chris Stapleton, who I've just become uh, conscious of in the last uh, month or so. But honestly, these three people have uh, given me such, they're storytellers. And that's what I love about their music. Oh, I'm, I'm down with that. I am totally down. I love it. All right. Who are your three? Can I ask you that? Uh, you can. Um, the hard thing is it's hard for me to do songs when I don't think about it ahead of time. Mm. But I'd say one is um, there's a song by Stevie Wonder called Another Star. There is this Brian McKnight song, Anytime, that always makes me feel. I had a period of time where I listened to a bunch of breakup songs, even though I hadn't broken up. Um, drove my college roommate crazy because I played that and this baby song, baby face song. When, when have I seen you again on repeat? And they were, it was nuts because I hadn't broken up with anybody. I just played all this sad, <laughs> sad, sad music. All I sense you and I our our music selection and taste is actually probably quite similar. From the perspective of I, I, I really enjoy uh, 
you know, deep, meaningful lyrics that actually tell stories of a life's journey. And so I can totally, totally understand that. Yeah, it's always hard. And I realized this question was one of those I came up with that I thought was easy. And then I realized it was actually hard for a lot of people. Because for me, it's actually probably easiest other than three favorite songs is actually my favorite album of all time, which is Songs of the Key of Life from Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder, yeah. It, I feel like there's never been anything that has touched me the same way as Songs of the Key of Life. It's, a, it's an amazing album. I, I love my music. So uh, certainly uh, Stevie is, a, is somebody who's on the, on, the, on the song list all the time. Oh, indeed. So my next question for you yep. <laughs> is what's one free thing that you do for self-care? Did you say free thing? Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I take bubble baths. Oh, I know. love it. Now the bubbles cost money, I guess, but it still counts yeah. as pretty much free. Is that pretty you much know, free? Cause, yes. Cause like before I remember when you all used to start talking about self-care and everybody used to always talk about these spa trips, these going to Europe. It was all of these big yeah. humongous things, but it felt like, well, if you didn't have like a few thousand dollars sitting in the bank right now, you know, can you have self-care? So y'all yeah. can't see it. My allergies are still kicking. I'm in Georgia. I'm still suffering from all of the dust from homecoming last week. <laughs> I'm still well, suffering. You're making it through. That's a good thing. Yes. It's just, I feel like this taping, I've gone through so many Kleenex and it's literally, it's allergies and dust in one nostril. Hmm. And I feel it just tickling that one nostril. I believe that's probably TMI, but y'all are getting it today. <coughs> what happened was, so my next question is, what's something about you that people don't know? Um, uh, the thing I think um, is most entertaining is um, I was an Elvis uh, impersonator, speaking <gasps> of music, as a kid. Um, and still love Elvis, although funny enough, I didn't call him out in my music selections. Um, but yeah, that would probably be my, uh, one of my hidden, hidden. I also sang a lot of Rick Astley at karaoke nights, but that's a whole wow. different story. <laughs> I feel like I need to see pictures of this Elvis impersonation. Like we had to stay friends. I need to see this. All right. All right. Okay. And my, my last thing, and I feel like we've already talked about it, but we, it's still a question. What's something that helped you get through the pandemic? Yeah, it would, uh, it would be my, my, I, it's actually, uh, I wrote down a, a couple things here is my family and my dog, you know, the opportunity to have, I, I, I think the research has already come out. I'm not positive yet, but those who had an animal, had a dog fared better than those who didn't because it helped us maintain the rituals. And I think kids play the same. You had to get up. You still had to put food on the table. You still had to make lunch, dinner, whatever. And I think it really does uh, help us all recognize that routine, of which I heard before the pandemic, 70 to 80% of our days were routine. And what the pandemic did was really throw a, a wrench into our routines. And so my wife, my son, and our dog were critically important to keeping me uh, looking forward and moving forward uh, during the pandemic. Um, I have to ask, what kind of dog? A Labradoodle. Oh, Labradoodles are so cute. What's their name? His name is Doctor. 
And he is so because he makes people happy and healthy. So we coined him the doctor. Oh, I totally love it. I, I love dogs. I don't have any, but I have two fur brothers. And then I have a fur brother cousin. What's a fur brother? So I'm an only child, but my parents have dogs. So they're my brothers. I see. I see. I see. Then I actually have a god puppy. So I'm the godmother to a puppy. Then I have a brother cousin because at one point my mom and my aunt had a dog together. So that dog is my brother cousin. You got a lot of furry relatives. I do. And they're all adorable. Yeah. It's three uh, Yorkies and one Shih Tzu. And you know what? Again, it's one of those things. I think we, I don't think people took animals for granted pre-pandemic, but we certainly started to really understand the value that they bring to our lives as we, you know, tried to cope with the the challenges that the pandemic brought. Definitely. And I still have my mom. I always have them send me pictures and videos of the dog. So even though I'm not local, I still get my my doggy updates. That's awesome. So as sad as I am, and I'm trying to hold back the tears, you all can't see me fanning them. <laughs> uh, what are some final thoughts or takeaways you have for the people of Better Nation? Well, to the people of the Better Nation, I just want to say, hey, stay conscious of your social health. Recognize how much we actually do need each other and recognize that together we can make the world a happier and healthier place one face-to-face conversation at a time because it is going to take each of us to help each other through what lies ahead and obviously what we've just been through over the last couple of years. So uh, I hope that the information, the facts, the tips, and all of it will help everybody um, I'll say reconsider or at least consider, you know, making social connection a greater part of each and every day so that you can not only impact your own life, but the life of the people around you. Oh, I love all of that. So where can the people find you if they want some more, some more of Pete Bambachi? Uh, they can head over to genwellproject.org. That's the website for the movement. Um, they can head on to all of the, well, I shouldn't say all of the social platforms, but Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Uh, we have a YouTube page with lots of content. Um, I'm sure I've missed one of them, but, you know, all the traditional ones. And, you know, if they want to email me, Pete at genwellproject.org is our email address. I'm happy to connect with anybody We do a lot of work in businesses, communities, and classrooms, as I said earlier. So if I can help anybody spread this message to their community, please let me know because together we can make this world a happier and healthier place. I feel like I need to give you a round of applause. Oh. I'm just so excited. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I just feel like this has been... It's been so informative and fun at the same time. There's, I just really couldn't ask for anything else. So y'all know, I keep talking about these little quote cards I have on my desk. So the one that popped up for today just seems perfect. So my final thought, I'm going to say a quote. Is, it isn't the great big pleasures that count the most. It's making a great deal out of the little ones. And this is by Gene Webster. Mm. And to me, the reason I think this is important with this conversation is It's not always that every social interaction has to be a two or three hour long conversation, hangout, something all extravagant. That a lot of times it's these small moments and small experiences 
that mean the most. It's very often you sit up and you start thinking what are some of the most meaningful times you spent with people. And it's not uncommon. It may be we all sat around on the couch and talked or we hung out or had some barbecue in the backyard. The thing I've seen from a lot of folks when I talk to them is it's not this huge trip to Europe or this humongous excursion. It was those quiet things. And as we all move forward, and one of the biggest things that from a developmental perspective we're all doing as adults is people are looking and assessing what is their legacy and what is the meaning of life. That's kind of the biggest things we do as adults. And there are two friends of mine that passed that I think are really good examples of leaving a huge legacy. And it's not because they left these goo just goo piles of money and have a million things named after them. But it's you could sit at their funeral and every single person had a story about a conversation with them that changed their life. And I think a lot of what makes our lives meaningful and to me what makes having a good life is the way we touch others. And we can't do that if we don't actually communicate and connect. So that's what I got today. That's beautiful, my friend. Very beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate it. I feel all the love. And I want all of you out there in Better Nation to feel the love too. I appreciate you showing up for me and for Pete. But the biggest thing is you showed up for yourself. So this time that you were listening to the podcast, that was you time. And you did that. So first I have to acknowledge you. The next thing is if you like what you heard, do me a favor, push that little button and subscribe or follow to the podcast. That helps me bring even better content to you. The next thing is if you like it, please share. Don't let this be the best kept secret. Tell everybody from your Uber driver, that person you ran into at the elevator, the person in front of you at the grocery store, your family, your friends, your coworkers, just tell them all. Just check it out. The next thing is also if you like what you heard, rate and review five stars, please. Um, yes, I said it five. Um, that also helps me get good content to you. But at last, I just want to send a lot of love out to you and just say how much I appreciate you as a human being. And I just enjoy the, the opportunity to hold space for you. Until next time, have a better day. Find me on social media at Dr. Erica, D-O-C-T-O-R-E-R-I-C-K-A on all social media and online at betterthepodcast.com. That's betterthepodcast.com. If you like what you heard, tap on that subscribe or follow button, then click share and click rate and review. Now don't panic if you don't see rate and review. Sometimes it mainly shows up on Apple Podcasts and Audible, but I appreciate hearing your feedback. Check back weekly for new episodes. They drop on Tuesday mornings. Until next time, be better, do better, live better. Better with Dr. Erica. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Highway to Health Podcast, hosted by Jeremy Quinby, provides guidance, quality resources, and inspiration for anyone seeking wellness in mind, body, and spirit. There's an episode that you should check out called The Value of Our Emotions, where Jeremy helps listeners understand the role emotions serve and what we can learn about our present state by staying attuned to them. Check out Highway to Health podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.